I just want to take a couple minutes and step one more time into the state of our country and how we as Christians are responding to it. I have not asked permission from the council to share what I'm going to say. They are not held responsible for it. My staff, my family, like everybody else, this election has revealed our differences as a family and our opinions as well. But I had a sleepless night. Christians are increasingly at odds with one another over what's going on in our country. And I feel God wants me to share some things with you. The election's done now. We are where we are. And I want to be careful to say to you, I I believe with all my heart we should be a part of the process. We should have aggressive debate. We should be proud of our country that allows us to do that. But I know some of you are really afraid of our president, and I get that. And I know others, you are afraid of the mean-spiritedness of the other side, and I get that. But let me tell you, you should be most worried about the division that Satan is using to divide Christians, because the only hope for our country isn't who's in the White House. It's who's in the hearts of men and women, and it's Jesus Christ. Right? Okay. I want to show you a picture of a gathering of over 40 Christian leaders in the city of Worcester back in November from various ethnicities, various churches, African-American churches, Latino churches, other churches in the city who all came together because God is laying it on all of our hearts to seek to be obedient to Jesus' prayer that we would be one. That prayer for unity was not just within a congregation, it was for the whole church. And one of the things I am most thrilled to be a part of in this city is that work of God in uniting his people. God's calling us together. That is the greatest sign of hope. But think of what's happened in the last few months. As pastors, I can tell you that we're concerned that our congregations are thinking evil of one another because of our political positions. And that is what ought to scare you. And to some degree, it ought to shame us, if I can say that in love. Because our hope for this city, our hope for this nation, ultimately does not come from Washington, it comes from the throne of heaven. And we have direct access. And we are called not to forward on our Facebook account propaganda that matches our particular view. And that's what it is, it's propaganda. It's extreme exaggeration, mischaracterization of the wing of point. We have actually bought into and agreed to just pass on these things that may have some truth in them but are stated in the most extreme, egregious ways possible without even questioning whether that's speaking the truth in love, which is the standard we're called to. And that's happening on both sides. On my Facebook page last night, one of the things called Obama a terrorist. And the very next one below it called Donald Trump a fascist, neither of which is actually true. But it was Christians who posted that. We're not debating anymore. We're just mud-flinging because it matches our point of view. And Christians are doing it. And can I say lovingly, some of you are doing it. What you're doing is creating enemies of people that you have been called to reach with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Now, I spent many years 
trying to help my Republican Christian friends understand that Jesus is not a Republican. Because <laughs> that's the world I grew up in. God is my witness. The very first Democratic Christian I met was when I moved to Massachusetts. That's the truth. And many of you have heard me talk about, as a church, how we want to reframe the conversation, not as them and us. We want to reframe it around the kingdom of God. And I've talked often about how politically conservative evangelicalism has made enemies of people that God's called us to love into the kingdom. And that's been our strategy as a church. And I'm very proud of so many who come from a conservative political background who have bought that and, and become accepting. And, and now, you know what? <laughs> I got to say that to my Democratic Christian friends here. It's your turn to learn that. It's your turn right now to learn that. I get that you're hurt. But you are first and foremost a minister of reconciliation for the gospel, especially to your enemies. And so can I ask you, if you're part of the journey, to commit with me to recognize that right now what's going on in this country is not debate. It's a blood feud. It's gotten violent. We're drawing blood. And can I ask you to step out of the ring with me and teach the world how to actually have respectful engagement again? This is what's interesting to me. Those of us that voted in one direction, for instance, those of us that that voted Democratic, I know that you voted because of the moral things that as a Christian you believe the Democratic Party forwards. But you also will admit that there are things within that platform that you know are not Christian. And as a Christian, you have to accept that it, it for you is the best choice, but you're not voting in favor of other things that in that movement you know aren't God. Jesus' platform is not the Democratic platform, neither is it the Republican platform. So you give yourself that grace, right? But then when you run into people that voted, for instance, Republicans, because there are things in the Republican platform that are moral, actually, and for them, that's of value, and so they made the best, we're all just doing the best we can with a screwed up sinful system. But yet, when you look at them, you villainize them as though they're voting for the worst things in that platform, but you give yourself a complete break. Now, I just happened to mention Democrats first. Republicans, we're doing the exact same thing, right? I'm not a Republican, by the way. I'm a registered independent, which means I sit on my ivory palace and cast judgment on everybody. (laughs) Do you get my point? Let's get back to the movement that's going to change this country. That's the movement of the gospel. I'm calling you to get back to loving one another, loving your neighbor, and yes, loving your enemy. Praying for those who persecute you. Letting your gentleness be known to all men. And recognizing that our primary call is not to win a political debate, no matter how strongly we hold it, but to actually step into our incredible role. What a blessing that God calls us to be ambassadors for Christ and to be ministers of reconciliation. I've tried to say this in many ways, and uh, forgive me if I've failed, 
but I really look at you and I believe we're the hope. And we're letting the world pull us away from that. We're gonna pray this prayer of St. Francis of Assisi together. I think no prayer for the people of God is more timely, and I ask you to join with me now, and let's commit ourselves to this, can we? Let's say this together. Lord, make me an instrument of your peace. Where there is hatred, let me sow love. Where there is injury, pardon. Where there is doubt, faith. Where there is despair, hope. Where there is darkness, light. Where there is sadness, joy. O divine master, grant that I may not so much seek to be consoled as to console, to be understood as to understand, to be loved as to love. For it is in giving that we receive, it is in pardoning that we are pardoned, and it is in dying that we are born to eternal life. May that be true of us, Father. In the name of our Savior, who binds us all in grace. Amen.